in this third and final part of Business World's explainer series on the Constitution, Antonio G.M. Lavinia, a constitutional law professor at the University of the Philippines, talks to Business World reporter Patricia B. Mirasol about family dynasties, federalism versus autonomy, and the right time for charter change. Mr. Lavinia adds his insights to those previously shared by Bernardo M. Villegas, an economist and one of the framers of the 1987 Constitution, and Norberto B. Gonzalez, a former National Defense Secretary and National Security Advisor who ran for president in the 2022 elections. Today we'll talk about the 1987 Constitution and in particular its charter change provisions. My first question would be, what is charter change and what are the avenues available for it in our 1987 Constitution? There are two ways or two forms of charter change. One is just an amendment of the Constitution. So basically, usually one provision or a group of provisions where you change one or two things. So for example, economic provisions, you just change it and say, instead of 60-40 or preference for Filipinos, it's now 100% ownership by foreigners are allowed. So that's an amendment. Or term limits, when you say that the president can now uh, serve for 10 years, two terms each, uh, therefore you're changing the term from six years to five years, but with the election, that's an amendment. The other way of charter change is called uh, revision, which is basically you revise the whole constitution. In other words, you come up with a new constitution. It's just not just an amended constitution. Usually that you do that when you change the form of government from, let's say, what we now have is unitary presidential. You want to change it to, let's say, parliamentary and federal. You know, I would say the opposite of unitary, federal is the opposite of unitary, parliamentary is the opposite of presidential. Why is it called revision? Because you cannot change the constitution without changing all of it or most of it. I mean, under that form of charter change. And then following that, the kind of change you want. How do you go about doing it? This is where the uh, ways or the modes of changing the constitution come about. Uh, the procedural modes. First is constituent assembly. Congress, by three-fourths of the vote of the House and the Senate, can change the Constitution, voting separately. My view is they have to vote separately. But that's Congress. Number two, uh, through a constitutional convention, which Congress calls for, but the people drafting the Constitution are elected on their own right. So, yun yung tinatawag na charter change by constitutional convention compared to charter change by constituent assembly. And the third form is... Charter change through initiative and referendum, initiated by the people through a petition signed by certain percentage of voters all over the Philippines, total as well as specific districts, every district must be represented, and then presented to Congress. So once that's approved to the COMELEC, not the Congress, once the COMELEC sees that the required number of signatures are there, then they can call for a referendum on that proposed amendment of the Constitution. The Supreme Court has ruled that you can only do amendments with uh, initiative and referendum. You cannot do revision. You cannot change the form of government. complicated. You have to really change everything. And that's very difficult for people to understand in an initiative and referendum because they have to submit to the people. So only constituent assembly and constitution convention can do a wholesale revision of the constitution. Between a constituent assembly and a constitutional convention, should the Philippines decide to pursue charter change, which do you think is the better avenue? 
Clearly, the Constitutional Convention is a better avenue. Congress cannot be trusted to change the Constitution because they are self-interested. Most of the time, when you look at the changes they want, it's term limits. And they'll put economic provisions, they'll put this and that. But you can see at the bottom of all of it, they want to change the term limits, give the president more years, give themselves more years. They want to even abolish term limit. It's all about staying in power for Congress. So they cannot be trusted in changing the Constitution. That's why people have rejected all attempts to change the Constitution since 1992. There was a really good attempt by Fidel V. Ramos. Fidel Ramos was a good president. But because it was seen as he wanted to extend his term, the people said, no, you don't want anything to do with changing of terms. That's not for the country. That's for the politicians. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, I was wondering why there have been several attempts to change our form of government and yet none have succeeded. For instance, in 2018, there was a constitutional commission, right, that was assembled that included former Chief Justice Renato Puno. Headed by former Chief Justice Renato Puno. That's a good example. I mean, I wasn't convinced about all of it, right, but it was a good attempt and certainly very well thought out. But Duterte ignored it. Duterte created that commission, he saw that Congress was not interested at all in federalism. Congress is not interested at all in changing structures. If you ask me, I'm not against charter change. I actually would like charter change. I would like more limits on the power of the president. I would like uh, more powers to the legislature and to the Supreme Court. I mean, there are many things we can change to make the Constitution better. I'd like more transparency in government. I'd like stronger provisions on, on draft and corruption. I'm not against charter change. But if charter change is just about the politicians getting an additional, you know, term, never mind. Why should we do that? Why should we allow politicians to use the constitutional process to benefit themselves? That's, that's very wrong. That's why people have continually refused to support that kind of constitutional change. And vice versa, Congress is not interested in good structural change, in good constitutional change, because they don't benefit from it. So part of the reason why it's tough for charter change to move forward is because legislators are not going to legislate against themselves. Yeah. For example, the very clear provision that needs to be amended is the prohibition on family dynasties. Because right now there's a provision, but it's not automatically applied it is given to Congress to decide, right? And that was a mistake of the Constitutional Commission. They should just have adopted that, imposed that. We wouldn't be in a situation where we have all of these husbands and wives and daughters and sons in multiple positions, nationally and locally. It's just scandalous to do that. I think people agree that there's something seriously wrong about a society that does that. But you cannot expect Congress to do that because Congress is 60 to 70 percent controlled by political families. The president comes from a political family. So only a constitutional convention can actually legislate something like that. What you mentioned reminded me of Chief Justice Renato Puno. He said that anti-dynasty provisions should be part of any constitutional revision because if it's this provision is not included, then you might as well scrap any attempt at a change of government. Federalism is very dangerous if it doesn't come with an anti-dynasty provision, because basically allowing political families and warlord families to control our regions. You will actually divide the Philippines if you do that. So it has to come with prohibitions on family dynasties. And term limits have to be strict also, because you don't want to be controlled by the same people, the same family year after year, decade after decade. I wonder, uh, since you mentioned that people have been trying to change the constitution since at least 1992, is there ever a right time to change the constitution? Yes. 
there are two instances where it could be a right time to change the constitution. The first, when the country is in serious crisis, right? And the crisis can be traced to something structural. So, like when a president is sick, you might want to now change the constitution. Or if there's a deadlock in government that's so important, like a budget deadlock, then the opportunity to change will come. But generally, time-wise, my experience or our experience is you can only change the constitution in the first two years of a presidency. Because after that, pagdating na ng midterms, when it's one year away from the midterms, and then of course after that, it's all politics going to the presidential elections, right? Nobody's interested anymore in good structural change. And it's all about positioning of families, of individuals. So charter change, which I said can be justified, is no longer being pursued at that point because of what's good for the country, but only because of what's good for specific politicians. So first two years lang. I would even say first year. By the second year, you lose momentum already. That's why I don't think it's going to happen under Marcos because he doesn't seem to show any interest in any kind of charter change. Which is kind of ironic because he ran under Partido Federalismo. <laughs> His problem is going to be for federalism. His economic managers are going to tell him we cannot afford federalism. Because federalism, people confuse federalism with local autonomy. That's not the same. Federalism is about regional autonomy and a regional government. So in federalism, the national government is mirrored by a regional government. You have a regional governor that's like the president and the provincial governor. You have the mayor as well of the city. You have a regional parliament that's like the Congress nationally and like legislate, local legislative council. So you actually put a new layer of government and justify it by saying some decisions are better done at the regional level, which, which might very well be true. Uh, and if you have political will, you will abolish the departments in the national level, right? So not to replicate, but you'll still have to have some national agency. For example, environment and natural resources, which is my specialization, that should be devolved to a regional level. I agree with that. But you still have to have a national DENR and local DENRs as well. So you can imagine how expensive it's going to be. There are some things like having regional courts, you know, not just regional trial courts, but a regional Supreme Court, a regional Court of Appeals, mirror the national. So those kind of things are very expensive. I was watching the August 26th Senate hearing on constitutional amendments and the revision of codes. And in that hearing, one of the 1987 framers, Attorney Christian Monsort, said that we should give the Bangsamoro the powers that they always wanted to have, but we did not give. And then he said that having given them those powers, we should then make them a test case for federalism. What are your thoughts on yeah, that? That's correct. I mean, if it works there, then it can work other parts of the Philippines. With the caveat that the Bangsamoro is getting a lot of money from the national and the other regions will not necessarily get that. And the Bangsamoro got that because it was a product of negotiation. There was a rebellion there and the rebels wanted to be independent of the Philippines. So in the negotiation with them, we told them, no, be part of the remain part of the Philippines, uh, but we will give you more powers, autonomy, and we will give you money. But you can't promise that to all the regions because of financial constraints. If I may ask, would you, are you for federalism, like if it could be done correctly? If it could be done correctly, financially in particular, yes. 
because I'm worried about a very strong national government that doesn't know what's happening outside Manila. So we call it Manila-centric, right? Imperialism. I mean, it's ironic because Duterte from Davao did exactly like all the other presidents I and mean, became a Manila-centric president. Uh, of course, Davao benefited and like Ilocos benefited during the time of Marcos, but it's a very shallow way. I mean, in terms of the decision-making, Duterte really centralized the decisions in Manila. I'd like to shift a bit into party systems. Do you think the Philippines would be better served in a two-party system instead of this multi-party one we currently have? Uh, no, because uh, you will see that even in the old two-party system, they were not real parties. They move depending on the politics, right? I mean, I think uh, what we need is a multi-party system that is ideologically based. So that is something I would change in the Constitution. Like, for example, in the House of Representatives and even the Senate, right? You will have representatives that are voted for in their capacity as members of a political party. So people vote not for individuals, not for families, not for celebrities, but the political party they belong to. That's really the superior system. Uh, that's the one adopted all over Europe already. I wonder what it would take for the Philippines to attain that sort of political maturity. You'll be surprised at how, when certain things happen, like crises, as I said, that we can quickly do things that we thought were impossible to do. And I'm looking forward to that. I certainly don't want this country to be in crisis, but the crisis counts anyway, regardless of how I feel. So I think we can use that as an opportunity for change. If you were to head a constitutional commission, what provisions would you add for the revision of the current constitution? I, I actually think we should try a, a parliamentary system, maybe mixed presidential parliamentary like France, not like the Marcos system, where the president takes care of foreign policy mainly, and then the prime minister takes care of the economy and, and local things, right? Mainly, I would like to run away from a system that's celebrity-based, that's family-based. So a parliamentary system is better than that. And you winner take all kasi. And it encourages political parties. What are your thoughts on tandem voting? That's a, tandem voting is, a, of course, better than the current system. But it's, frankly, a, if you amend the constitution for that, never mind. So you know, it's not worth doing it in the end, insignificant. It's not as important as it looks. But certainly, if it happens, it, that's better than the current system that we have. And what do you think about loosening the FBI? economic restrictions. I'll be smart about it. There are certain parts of the economy I'd be willing to open up, certain parts I'd not be willing to open up. That's a problem there because it's so ideological. They don't really look at what the impacts are. So, for example, professions. I would actually open that up. Filipino lawyers can compete with foreign lawyers. Filipino doctors can compete with foreign doctors. Filipino hospitals, you know, we need to upgrade them and maybe you need capital from developed countries for that. So I would also probably liberalize schools, liberalize the retail sector because effectively that's already liberalized. But I'd be very careful about telecommunications because you don't want a foreigner to control your communication system. I think it was a mistake that they've privatized uh, Napocor and sold the grid to Chinese. Imagine the Chinese controls our grid, potentially our enemy in war. With a, you know, controls our grid. It's ridiculous, right? So I, w I would think that certain things 
have to pick up. But at the end of it, it's not important. I mean, they pass a new law, right? Uh, incentives, right? I mean, and on the listing of what should be nationalized or not. And they basically liberalize everything already. I'm skeptical it's actually necessary for purpose of prosperity or development. Is there anything else you would like to share to our audience? I would encourage our audience to understand what is at stake in our constitutional system. So therefore, they are able to judge also whether we need charter change or not. You know, a constitution is a contract between the people and citizens. And the citizens will be comfortable with that contract. They need to be vigilant so that they will not allow charter change. That is not about the country and not about the common interest. Because unfortunately, many of the proposals are like that, hiding under good proposals. But behind all of that, it's really as simple as, I want to be here forever in this post. They hate that. The politicians hate term limits. In fact, that contributed to the proliferation of families because many politicians do not want to leave their current jobs. As, you know, whatever it is. So they just like to do it. But since they have to leave, well, I need someone to sit na so that I can come back later on. And it's sad because of that. There are positive things. I said political party development is really very good. You want your people to mature also. And don't give them an excuse that, well, gusto nyo ito, so therefore ito lang, di ba? I think we need to work together to change the structure of the Constitution to make it better, but with the right timing. People actually don't know what the Constitution says. And, you know, when they, even when they say vote yes or no to the Constitution, they'll just pay attention to whatever the politicians are telling them. And I encourage them to, to really understand it so that they're able to make an informed decision. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Antonio G.M. Lavinia, a constitutional law professor at the University of the Philippines, speaking with Business World reporter Patricia B. Mirasol. A few takeaways from their conversation. Mr. Lavinia thinks that it is, and I quote, scandalous that husbands and wives and daughters and sons hold multiple positions in government. He is absolutely in favor of charter change if it means prohibiting family dynasties from entering politics. However, he said, Congress cannot be trusted to change the constitution because of self-interest. They'd be legislating against themselves, said Mr. Lavinia, who noted that 60 to 70 percent of the lawmaking body is controlled by political families. This B-side episode was recorded in September 2022 at the Manila Observatory in Ateneo de Manila University in Quezon City. It was produced by Earl R. Lagundino, Joseph Emmanuel L. Garcia, and me, Sam L. Marcelo. Thanks for listening.